Previously on Baldur's Gate, Gorilla's Playthrough. I have a blade with your name on it. Someone wishes me dead. Garin is right to think we are no longer safe here. Hey, uh, it's me, Emmowen. Listen carefully. If we ever become separated, it is imperative that you make your way to the Friendly Arm Inn. There you will meet Khalid and Jahira. They have long been my friends, and you can trust them. Wait, there is something wrong. We are in an ambush. You know why I'm here. Hand over your ward and no one will be hurt. Garion falls to the ground. Montoran, you are so aggravating! Aye, we'll go with ye. Ye owe us for our time though. Welcome back. We continue our journey with the four of us standing next to a stone obelisk. It is still day one, hour 1800. We decide to head north to the Friendly Arm Inn, in hopes of meeting the friends who are supposedly waiting for us there. We do still plan to do Montaran and Zar's quest, which is to head to Nashkel, but we put it off until later. Almost immediately upon setting off, ominous clouds pass above, and it begins to rain. The whole time we were standing there waiting, a diseased Gibberling has also been waiting to ambush our party. Now that the party is four, we make very short work of him. Gorilla gets the final hit, 13 crushing damage. It explodes into bits and pieces. As the thunder booms off in the distance, we decide to check our map in an open area. According to our map, a lot of this area is still uncharted. Decide to clear it before heading off. The area we now walk is filled with tall green pine trees and stone cliffs. Attacked by a wolf in an open plain area. Gorilla takes some damage, but this wolf has no chance against Demon's bow and Gorilla's flail. Walking next to Emoin, we know she's fine. We always check on her because we're protective of Emoin. We look over our shoulder to check on Montaran and Zara. Untrustworthy as they may appear, we still need to take care of them. They're on our team. Montaran somehow got himself very beat up. Gorilla, our paladin, uses his Lay on Hands ability to heal Montaran. This ability he can use once per day until he rests. We move forward with an ungrateful Montaran. We stop. Crouching down see an area in front of us circled in trees. At the center of the circle stands a tall creature, two or three times the size of a man. Its back is turned and it has not noticed us. Emuin convinces us that we have good positioning to attack, being that we're on higher ground. Emuin fires. She was right, she hits it with a critical, 10 missile damage from Emuin. The ground shakes as the angry ogre turns around. The rest of the party rushes forward. Luck is on our side today. It takes 18 crushing damage from Gorilla. Emuin continues the onslaught and rains death. We take him down unscathed and we gain 270 experience. We loot four things from the ogre. Now giddy, Emuin the thief rushes over to pick up the loot. Seven coins, a mace, what is this? We find two special items, an unidentified girdle and an unidentified belt. We know that to identify these items, we need a mage who can cast identify. That, or I believe we can use a scroll if we find one. A battle with two diseased gibberlings. Gorilla is on a rampage, still fired up from the ogre fight. He laughs maniacally. Flail thuds with crushing damage. Zar chimes in, now also fired up as the gibberling attacks him. Montaron steps up and knocks it unconscious, leaving the four of us to finish it off. 
35 experience and some gold. Confident, Monteron charges ahead. We regroup. The typical formation we've settled on is Gorilla in the front to soak up the damage given his armor and health points. Emu in close by, who typically moves back a little when combat begins. Followed by Monteron and followed by Zar, the mage. Our formation is triangular, pyramid. Fairly open here. A stray tree topped in red leaves. Two Zarts rush us from a choke point in the valley. While Gorilla and Emuin take one of the Zarts, Monteron pulls the other. He spoke at me? Your voice is ambrosia. To give Zar enough time to cast Larlock's Minor Drain. Larlock's Minor Drain drains a life force from a target and adds it to the wizard's own health points, which, like other spells, can only be cast once per day until rest. Battle continues in the pouring rain. Emuin, now out of arrows, falls back a little. She equips her secondary a dagger and flanks the enemy from behind. Eleven crushing damage from Gorilla. Party gains 15 experience. This valley is extremely windy. It will be done. As we exit the valley, we come across an overturned wagon. On the ground next to the wagon lie three bodies. There is very little loot here, and we wonder what caused this to happen. Stand ready. We dispatch of a rogue Zart. The area begins to open up. Now we come across a caravan of wagons, overturned. The horse is dead next to the wagons, along with some people. Emuin searches the area. She comes across some small gems and trinkets. We wonder if it was the ogre we killed who caused all of this havoc. At this point we've cleared most of the map, but before we take the journey north, we decide it's a good time to take shelter from the rain and find a place to rest. Four of us settle upon a secluded alcove at the base of a canyon. sunset now. Emo and Gorilla sit on one side of the campfire, Zar and Monteron on the other. It doesn't take long for the party to doze off. However, no sooner than doing so, we immediately wake up to a wolf who's attacking Monteron. He bites him once, killing him immediately. Monteron, I, I never loved you. Zar seems completely unfazed by his companion's demise. The lone wolf is surprisingly difficult to defeat, but falls with 12 crushing damage from Gorilla. It is still sunset. We just can't find it in us to leave Monteron's dead body here in the middle of nowhere. We pick up his gear. Deciding this place is not safe to rest. Yes? We hoist Monteron up on Gorilla's shoulder and make our way north. Three of us are exhausted, 
we decide to take the journey north, find a safe place to rest. It's an eight-hour travel. It will be done. Battered, we see the castle off in the distance. Looking at it from the outside, it's a spectacle to behold. It looks impenetrable. Gray stone walls with two cathedral posts on either side of the entrance. We see portions of the castle lit up in the night sky. A light also emanates from the entrance, and a drawbridge leads to an iron gate. Safe at last at the friendly arm inn. Stay two now, three in the morning. My next step should be to find and introduce myself to Khalid and Jahira, friends of Garayan. They can give us some advice as to what to do next. We walk yes. along a small wooded path. With ease. As we cross the illuminated drawbridge, we approach two guards who are manning their posts. I should have joined the army. Welcome to the friendly arm. Trust you know the rules of conduct within, says the first guard. There are rules. What kind of rules? We ask. It's unwritten, but accepted, that while herein you will act with the utmost of civility to all other guests. This is a neutral ground, and all grievances are left at the gates. If the grievances come in, then you will go out. Enjoy your stay. We enter the city to the sound of crickets. It's really late, and we need to find a place to sleep. However, prior to doing that, we want to find a priest who can resurrect Mantaran. The city is unlit, and it's dark inside. We happen upon a commoner who is walking around. He must not be able to sleep, and he speaks to us. Hello there. I'm moving out soon. What with all the rumors about Am going about? Here they have an army down in Nashgal, gonna use a friendly arm in to launch against the gate. Hopefully I'm gone by then. As we search for a temple, we decide to enter one of the many stone houses. I stand ready. Inside the house, an elderly woman is standing next to a fireplace. Her name is Joya. Yes? Hey there. You're new here, aren't you? Could I trouble you a moment? Tell me what you need, but make it quick. We say this as we realize we have a lot to do and are pressed for time. Yes, I think you'll do fine. I need somebody to go club some heads for me. I was ambushed by a band of goblins within sight of this inn's walls. Robbed me blind, they did. I want to return the favor. I don't care about most of my things, but I want to get my ring back. My father gave it to me, you understand? I will do as you ask, we reply. I thank you. The creatures were just north of the inn. I swear I could almost see them from the upper rooms. Bring my ring back here when you get it. You'll know it when you see it. It's a flame dance ring, and it's very striking. We log our journal at day hmm? two, hour four for Joya. We bid farewell to Joya. As we walk the dark city, we can make out stone buildings and cows grazing in the pastures. We follow along the border or outside wall of the tallest building. A tall stone stairway leads up to the entrance. Prior to walking up the stairs, a guard approaches oh. us and reminds us of the simple rules of this city. As we stand at the base of the stairs, a man walks down the stairs to speak with us. Hi, friend. He appears to be personable, and his name is Tarnesh. Hi, friend. I've not seen you here before today. What brings you to the friendly arm? We size the man up just a little. We think about our reply. Nothing much, really. Just road-worn travelers for a place to rest. The man looks at us and replies, I see, I see. Part of my being too forward, but you've the bearings of somebody I've been looking for. About your height they were. Same style of dress, or thereabouts. I dare say, you seem to be a spitting image of them. 
you have traveled from Candlekeep by any chance? We think about the situation once again. I may have visited there on occasion. What of it, we ask. As we have this conversation with the man, we seem to be doing a back and forth dance of sort with this conversation. We're not lying to him, but we're also being a little vague, out of caution. Now the man thinks and replies, oh, nothing really. Just looking for someone from that region. Would your name be Gorilla by any chance? At this point, we've had it. Yes, it is, the man replies. Perfect, you are indeed the person I seek. Just hold still a moment, won't you? At this point, we're fully on guard and defensive. We sense his actions. We draw our weapons prior to him finishing the sentence. As we do so, this snake, Tarnesh, casts Mirror Image, and he splits himself into four targets. Zar casts his final minor drain spell. Tarnesh takes four damage from it. As Zar casts his spell, Gorilla swings his flail at the same time. Four magic damage from Zar, 13 crushing damage from Gorilla. Death. Party gains 120 experience. We loot Tarnesh. Pick up a letter, three spells, a quarterstaff, and 58 gold. The spells are armor, burning hands, and magic missile. We put the spells away for safekeeping until we decide to teach them to a mage. We have a look at the letter. Be it known to all those of evil intent that a bounty has been placed upon the head of Gorilla, the foster child of Garion. Last seen in the area of Candlekeep, this person is to be killed in quick order. Those returning with proof of the deed shall receive no less than 200 coins of gold. As always, any that reveal these plans to the forces of law shall join the target in their fate. As we put the scroll away for safekeeping, Zar takes it upon himself to share one of his personal goals with us. I wanted in provision like the elves, but he's more than just taking their eyes. Emoin and Gorilla share a sideways glance. Just then we spot the church ahead, optimistic. We spot light emanating from the church's windows. We carry Monteron's dead body inside. We hope that a priest is available at this hour. Much to our surprise, a priest is awake. It's a female dwarf named Galana. She approaches us. You are welcome here in Gal Glittergold's sight. She continues that for a bit of respectful coin, she can cure us. What sort of cures do you have available? We ask. We inquire with her about the price to raise the dead. It's a whopping 100 gold. The party looks at each other. We're certainly not close with Monteron, nor do we trust him. Gorilla makes the call to raise him from the dead. Maybe it's Paladin's honor. Monteron wakes up and looks at Gorilla. Monteron. You spoke at me? This better be good. Immediately we question ourselves. It also seems that when you resurrect somebody, they start at very little health, critical health. Gorilla also has minor injuries. Between the rain, the thunder, and Monteron, we decide it's been a full day, and we head towards the tavern. Not a problem. Inside the tavern, there are not many guests. A large, imposing man is standing in the corner of the room. He is armed with a sword. Not too many guests in here, possibly due to the hour. We see a few sitting at round wooden tables, candlelit. The floors are cedar planks, staggered. Passing by one of the patrons who appears drunk, she says the following. Done. Be responsible out there. Soon afterwards, another patron hey, approaches friend. us. Good to meet a fine sod such as yourself. This one's name is Jopi. I can't stand the way the roads are cut off these days. My uncle's in Baldur's Gate, and I can't get in there to see him. What does your uncle do, we ask. He's a mage, and a crotchety old one at that. Goes by the name of Ragefast. Though as kids, we always called them Grumpleskin. <laughs> ah, if you ever caught us at it. He cast Barkskin on us. 
So we'd wander around all brown-skinned and green-haired and funny-looking for a few hours. And with that, he walks away. Our party goes their own way in the tavern. We walk past the imposing armed man in the corner. Hmm. It's about time. Bring me another flagon of ale. Green skin, sharp teeth, determined look on his face. We snap at him. I am not your servant. Get your own ale. Then why do you bother me? Be gone. Nothing would please me more. We reply and we walk away. We walk over to Nessie, the waitress. I hope our establishment's to your liking. She welcomes us to the Friendly Arm Inn, tells us we look like we've had a rough journey. This place is a fortress. Why all the security? We ask Nessie. She explains that Bentley wanted the inn to be a safe haven for all sorts of travelers. Anyone can stay here, but they do not tolerate troublemaking within the walls. Did Bentley build this place? It's so solid, it looks like it's been here forever, we say to Nessie. She explains that Bentley and Galana did not build the inn, they found it. They were part of an adventuring party not unlike our own. In the first few years following the times of troubles, when all of the gods were walking the surface of our world, the inn was actually the hold of a powerful undead priest of Baal, god of murder. With the evil cleric weakened by the death of his god, Bentley and Galana were able to destroy him once and for all, thus laying claim to his troubled fortress. They must have lots of stories to tell, we say to Nessie. While Nessie agrees, she tells us that the inn is their life now. They don't like to dwell on the past. You're as likely to get a tail out of them as you are to get a tooth out of the mouth of a hen. She thanks us for the conversation. We have a look around the tavern. Emoin is sitting at the bar. We decide to join her and sit on the adjacent bar stool. I stand. It will be done. She's gathering info from the bartender. We join the conversation. It's been dreadful slow business lately. None too many travelers have been through lately, but with the supposed troubles down south. So what can I do for you? What do you have to sell me? The man we're speaking to is Bentley. He offers us the four standard rooms, peasant, merchant, noble, and royal. You can choose which room you like depending on how much money you have. Prior to getting a room, we check his weapon stock. We grab a dagger from Monteron, because he shattered his during the chaos. We also sell some unwanted weapons and stock before we forget. Let's wrap up here and get some rest. We decide upon the merchant room. It's a favorite of the frugal business traveler. Rooms of this type are basic but comfortable. Good solid mattress and clean linen. For when one must awaken presentable. But not so pampered as to promote oversleeping. We choose this because we need to get a good night rest. We're not looking to spend a fortune. With that, our party hits the hay. The room is cozy and quaint. A small fire dances inside a stone fireplace to ward off the cold in the night. The party rests for a full eight hours and awakens to the muffled sounds of tavern music below. It is now hour 12. A few of the tavern's patrons are already drunk and belligerent. Inside the tavern, we see a man and a woman waiting in one corner. Assuming once again that they could be our two contacts, we approach them. Okay. Calm yourself, dear. We must proceed c carefully. S something about you is f familiar, child. Your manner reminds me of a sage I know b by the name of Gurion. It's almost a slight on him, but I see it too. Jahira, mind, mind your manners. This must be the child that Gurion wrote of so often. These seem to be the two we've heard a lot about. We have a look at the woman Khalid is talking to. How long must we wait here? Things stir to the south as we sit. Her name is Jahira. Good day, friend. You are the child of Gorion, are you not? I recognize you from his letters, for he writes of you so often. Forgive my manners. I am Jahira. This is Khalid, my husband. Good to know you. 
We are old friends of your adopted father. If he is not with you, I must assume the worst. He would not permit his only child to wander around without his accompaniment. If he has passed, we share your loss. Gorion often said he worried for your safety, even at the expense of his own. He also wished that Khalid and I would become your guardians, if he should ever meet an untimely end. However, you are much older now, and the choice of companions should be your own. We could travel with you until you get settled, help you find your l lot in life. It would be a fitting last service to Gorion. Though we should first go to Nashgel. Khalid and I look into local concerns, and there are rumors of strange things happening at the mines. No doubt you have heard of the iron shortage. You would do well to help us, it affects everything, including you. We are to meet the mayor of the town, Baron Gaskill. We think about our reply to Jahira and we say the following. I'm already going to Nashgal. Current companions wish to visit there as well, we say to Jahira. Indeed? Interesting. In that case, I think we should definitely travel as one. You can never be too careful about the dangers of the open road, wherever they may spring from. Let's have a look at our two new party members. Shahira. Nature's servant awaits. Yes, O oh omnipresent authority figure. There's a female half-elf. She is a fighter-slash-druid, a multi-class. Alignment, true-neutral. Jahira has a no-nonsense look on her tan face, thin eyebrows, her reddish-brown hair is wavy, fairly long. She's clutching a wooden staff, and she appears more than capable of using it. Because she's a fighter-slash-druid, this character can use the abilities of a fighter and a druid. The weapons are restricted to those only allowed by the druid's ethos. This character may specialize in, but not master, any weapon they can use. She has interesting stats, strength of 15, dexterity of 14, constitution high at 17, intelligence of 10, wisdom of 14, charisma of 15. Jahira just seems tough. She has proficiencies in quarterstaff and sling, but she has a double proficiency in club. We'll have to keep that in mind. Khalid is a big guy, heavily armored. Uh, can I help you? Intimidating look on his face. Slightly pale skin. His square jaw is clean-shaven. Reddish-brown hair neatly combed back. He resembles a superhero. Khalid is a male half-elf, though I didn't know that by looking at him. He is a fighter. Neutral good. Strength of 15, Dexterity of 16, Constitution 17, Intelligence of 15, Wisdom of 10, Charisma of 9. The fighter is a champion, swordsman, soldier, and brawler who lives or dies by his knowledge of weapons and tactics. Fighters can be found at the front of any battle, contesting toe-to-toe -to -toe with monsters and villains. A good fighter needs to be strong and healthy if he hopes to survive. Fighters may wear helmets, may wear any armor and use any weapon. They may also achieve Grand Mastery, in five slots with any weapon class. They may also achieve specialization, two slots in any fighting style, and allocate three slots in two-handed weapon style. Khalid is proficient with an axe, also a longbow. He has a double proficiency in long sword. The full party of six leaves the tavern. Outside, the rain has passed and a few clouds linger above. The stones under our feet are still slick. The grass is muddy and soft see debris still left on the ground from the battle we had with the assassin the night before. As we walk around the town, Jahira notices that Monteron is still wounded, despite the previous night's rest. Nature's servant awaits. Stand still, says Jahira as she casts her heal spell on him. Look at her other spell, Entangle. By means of this spell, the caster is able to cause plants in the area of effect to entangle creatures within the area. 
The grasses, weeds, bushes, and even trees wrap, twist, and entwine about the creatures, holding them fast. An entangled creature can still attack, but receives a minus two penalty to its armor class. The town appears quite nice. Paths of stone lead from one residence to another. Patches of grass in between. Yellow oak trees scattered here and there. As the party continues to walk the town, Emoin goes her own way by herself. her hide and shadows ability. In broad daylight, she walks into the house of a commoner. The hide and shadow ability fails as she enters, but luckily for her, it seems the commoner is in a different room of the I'm house. Emwen sees two chests in the living area. She easily picks the lock on the first chest and loots a common longsword. She walks across a circular rug and attempts to pick the lock of a second chest. No luck. Again she tries, again and again and again. Deciding it's best to return when she's more skilled. I've done had enough of this. She walks out of the house in frustration. The party rejoins at the entrance of the front gate. We begin a counterclockwise patrol along the castle in hopes of locating the hobgoblins who stole Joya's ring. Walk along a gray cobblestone path, surrounded by rocks and trees. As coincidence would have it, a pair of hobgoblins ambush our party. Joya was right, these hobgoblins really have no concern whether or not they are close to the castle. The hobgoblins are human-sized, maybe a little larger. They're heavily armored and wear horned helmets. You can still make out their red skin through the visor and their hands. Forward march! Yells out the one hobgoblin. Gorilla gets the attention of one hobgoblin and Khalid the other. Ten crushing damage from Gorilla. The first hobgoblin falls. Khalid goes for a critical strike but misses. The rest of the party attacks. The second hobgoblin dies from twelve crushing damage from Gorilla. Zar laughs maniacally. Have become death, destroyer of worlds. We're actually that close to town that we can hear the townsfolk inside. We wonder if they too can hear the battle taking place outside these walls. From the hobgoblins, we loot various pieces of armor and gems. Emon equips one of the looted rugged leather armors to bolster her defenses, bringing her AC from six to four. Monteron equips the other, bringing his AC from seven to five. We also find a horned helmet. This class of open face helmet, made of reinforced leather or metal, covers most of the head save the face and neck. These helmets commonly provide protection for the nose. This helmet doesn't affect our AC, but it does protect against critical hits. Jahira throws that helmet right on, now she's a little less susceptible to critical head injuries. We also take this opportunity to adjust our formation now that we are six. Khalid heads up to the front, right behind Gorilla. Jahira by his side. Emoin yes. is behind Please. them, ready to fire, followed by Monteron and Zar at the back. Moving onward, we branch off the path a little. It begins to thunderstorm again.
An ambush of hobgoblins. Three this time. Khalid and Jahira rush the first one. Gorilla, Emo, and Montaron rush the other. Third hobgoblin focuses on Montaron. One hobgoblin is finished off with five slashing damage from Khalid. Montaron tags the other, knocking it out cold. Third takes nine crushing damage from Gorilla, killing it. Gorilla heals up. Among the armor we loot is Joya's ring, which is what we came for. Put it away for safekeeping. Make our way clockwise to finish exploring around the castle. With ease. Another battle with Hobgoblin. This gorilla takes one out immediately, 12 crushing damage from his flail. Khalid slashes the other for 6 damage. Emuan finishes it off. Quick stab. The rain continues to come down. is heavy, becomes stronger as it funnels through the castle walls. Large amounts of water run off the stone walls and splash onto the mud below. We reach the front entrance, having cleared the entire area, head back to give Joya her ring. We returned the ring to her. She was very appreciative, even if she had no gold to give us. Khalid seems happy to be in our company due to having similar values. Gorion would be proud of your actions. Dear goody goodies make me sick. Montaron, on the other hand, not so thrilled. It is now hour 14 of day two. Before leaving town, we sell some of the armor and weapons we found to Bentley. We realized the last time we were in this tavern, we didn't have a proper look due to our late arrival. We decided to check out the area inside. We head to the adjacent kitchen area. Yes. The cook doesn't really want us there. Aye, you stays out of my kitchen. You'll mess up my art. Some days I'm gonna cook for the Duke himself. Bet you there's less fistfights in the palace. Where you can enjoy a meal from start to finish. So we head upstairs to floor two. Very cozy area with couches and sleeping quarters. Nothing of interest, so Gorilla heads up yes, to the third floor by himself. Not a problem. Very similar layout to the second floor, but a staff-wielding gnome stands in the center of the lounge area. Her name is Landrin. She speaks to us. A pleasure it is to meet you. Hey, I've got an infestation of poisonous spiders in my cellar in Barakost. 
Bentley said I could stay here until they move out, but I hate to impose. You'll know the house when you see it. It's just to the west of the Jovial Juggler Inn. Here, take these potions with you. They're antidotes against the poison. Keep whatever you don't use, and I'll give you an extra 120 gold pieces. If you bring back my husband's old boots that he used to keep down there. If you bring me back one of their bodies, my old bottle of wine as well, I might toss in a little something extra for you. We rejoin the rest of the party downstairs and exit the it tavern. Will be done. It will be done. We head back south and make our way toward Nashgale so we can fulfill the promises we made to our companions. To get there, we have to cross over the area we previously explored near the raided caravan. We set off. The journey takes eight hours. It's dark now. We decide to make this a quick pass, having been here before. Yeah, I stand ready. Suddenly, out of nowhere, we hear Monteron scream, and we see him getting eaten by a wolf once again. Monteron, I, I never loved you. 12 crushing damage from Gorilla, 2 piercing damage from Zar, critical miss from Jahira, 6 slashing damage from Khalid, finally 22 crushing damage from Gorilla. It falls. We pick him up, we continue south. As Gorilla carries Monteron on his shoulders, he appears frustrated, as he now knows that he has another 100 gold bill to pay to some priest to resurrect Monteron. As the now party of 5 continues south, a group of 3 diseased Gibberlings attack. Yes? I stand ready. Nimoy, now carrying her dagger due to having run out of arrows, stabs one for two damage. However, the group surrounds her and she takes one slashing damage from a gibberling, then two slashing damage from another. Khalid steps in and slashes it for ten damage, killing the one. It allows Nimoy in a path to escape. Nimoy looks for revenge, she quickly flanks the gibberling, stabs it for three piercing damage, the weapon breaks due to the force, and the party gains 35 experience. Jahira notices Nimoy bleeding. She takes the initiative and casts Cure Light Wounds on Nimoy. Ready. Completely restoring her health. We reach the end and we now have some bearings on our map. If we head south, we reach the town of Baragost, which is four hours away. However, to the east lies an area called Larswood. We decide to take a detour and go to Larswood instead, to see what is out there and to see if we can find anything useful for the party. The journey was long, 16 hours. We now seem to be in the deep woods. While it is daylight, we can hear animals and creatures off in the distance. Immediately upon setting off, arrows begin to zip by our heads. Above us on a hill are two bandits laughing and shooting arrows. Party runs for cover and rushes the bandits. Nimuin reaches them first and punches the first archer in the stomach, followed immediately by Jahira's mace, six crushing damage. The second one falls to Gorilla's flail for 11 crushing damage. 65 experience, and these two jokers have a lot of loot. We scalp the one bandit. I stand ready. Emwen loots the jewelry. She also salvages the arrows and puts them in her quiver. Hmm? Not a problem. <laughs> Only seconds later, we have another battle. It's a pack of wild dogs, and they charge immediately. We have no choice but to defend ourselves. Khalid takes out one, Gorilla the other. Zar gets bit, he takes some damage. 
Now with Bo equipped, Imoen takes out the last dog. We walk through narrow pathways and trails in a heavily wooded area. Reaching a clearing in the woods, we see a large black bear wandering around. The bear seems to have noticed us, but it's not attacking. Thus, we have no reason to attack, but we do keep our distance, so as to keep it that way. We come across an area where there appear to be primitive stone structures, large gray stones stacked on top of each other. A lot of work was put into this. We follow along these structures and they go in a circular pattern. It would be good for you to watch your actions while in this wood. Gorilla's Note. We actually get into a very difficult battle here. We try again, again, and again. We desire to return later. But you will hear about this battle very soon. Back to the game. We head southwest along a dirt trail surrounded by trees. Out of the woods rushes a lone Gibberling. It takes three slashing damage from Khalid, an additional one damage from Emuin's arrow, killing it. Following the trail, we pass trees of yellow, white, and red. One could easily get lost in these woods. Suddenly, a group of three Gibberlings charges from a small clearing. One Gibberling goes after Zar, the other Jahira, and the third after Khalid. The first gets taken out by Gorilla with 13 crushing damage. Three more of them aggressively come out of the woods, suddenly rushing the party as we battle the final Gibberling who is after Jahira. Gorilla strikes at it but misses. One of the enemies takes advantage of the opportunity and engages Gorilla. The remaining ones go after Jahira. They surround her. Emoin kills one with a shot from her bow. Surrounded, Jahira falls. Gorilla takes out one via crushing damage. An infuriated Khalid fells the final Gibberling with a slash from his longsword. Khalid grabs Jahira's gear and hoists her on his shoulders. We continue through the dense forest. An arrow whizzes past Khalid's head, and we see a black talon elite firing at us from a visible opening in the trees. Imwen fires back providing cover as the party rushes the man. As Emoin and the blonde man exchange fire, Gorilla hits for 13 crushing damage, but the man still stands. Khalid then gets a strong hit, an additional 13 slashing damage, killing him, yes. and we gain 240 experience. Must we be so insufferably Zar expresses his displeasure at the party's increasingly good reputation. Some decent loot here as well. We loot various unidentified arrows. Emoin grabs those, and Gorilla, our paladin, throws on a splint mail, bringing his AC from 3 to 0. Emoin throws on Gorilla's previous armor, which was studded leather. It is now hour 17. We need to start thinking about a safe place to rest. We head only a few yards south and are attacked by three more Gibberlings, which collectively go after Gorilla. Emoin shoots one for three damage. Gorilla hits it again for nine damage, killing it. 
Imwen shoots the second one for another three damage. Slashed by Khalid and struck by Gorilla, the party focuses on the final one. Quickly struck down from a solid critical hit by Khalid. 12 <laughs> slashing damage, fellow. 35 experience from each Gibberling. Spot three wild dogs off in the distance. We get into formation in case they attack. They charge. Emuen immediately shoots one for six missile damage. Meanwhile, Zara runs around the party as a wild dog chases after him. Emuen hits for another five missile damage and Khalid strikes another, seven slashing damage. The same occurs on the last wild dog. Emuen continues to fire away and hits for six missile damage. Khalid finishes the battle with five slashing damage, 35 experience each. After seeing Zar get chased by the wild dogs, we realize at this point that maybe we're not utilizing Zar as much as we should. We check his spellbook and we see two necromancy spells, which, like any spell so far, can be used once until the party rests again. The first one is Chill Touch. When the caster completes this spell, a blue glow encompasses his hand. This energy attacks the life force of any living creature, upon which the wizard makes a successful melee attack. His other spell is Larlock's Minor Drain, which we have been using. Now closing in on the final part of this forest, we see a stone sign that reads Wood of Sharp Teeth. We reach a man-made circle, made from rocks. The black bear is standing in the center of it. She does not attack us right away, so we keep our distance and carefully walk around her. We now enter the area from before, where the large slabs of stone are carefully arranged. It would be good for you to watch your actions while in this wood. A man with a long staff rushes the party. Arrogant fools! You return to the very slaughter for which you were responsible. Your blood will soak the ground before I allow any of you to leave. I will avenge the deaths of my brothers. What are you talking about? We've killed no one. Perhaps you should calm down so we can figure out what killed your brothers. You think your excuses can work on me? I know what you are, what all of you are. Let the wrath of my lord destroy you and your faithless companions. Osmaldi gets ready to attack, but Khalid gets the jump. Attacks first. We strike Osmaldi as he begins to chant a spell to summon bears. Khalid's attack interrupts him, and he fails the spell, which gives the party a huge advantage. Zar. Stop touching me! He casts Larlock's Minor Drain. The spell is successfully cast, and drains four magic damage from Osmaldi. Osmaldi then takes two missile damage from Emuin, and chants again. As he does so, Emwin equips one of the unidentified arrows she looted earlier. It seems off in the distance, someone is fighting Osmaldi's cave bears, but we are unable to see from here. Gorilla gets in a strike, 9 crushing. Osmaldi successfully casts this time, and Gorilla and Khalid are now held into place and unable to move. By the time this happens, Emwin has the special arrows equipped and successfully hits the enemy. 2 missile damage, an additional 6 cold damage. Zara also steps up to the plate, and Osmaldi takes 4 magic damage. Emuin continues her assault. She hits with 6 missile damage and additional 5 cold damage. Osmaldi struggles now and is visibly wounded. However, he gets another chant off, and Zara is now held in place. Emuin is the only one facing off against him now. Completely frozen, Zara takes 7 piercing damage from Osmaldi, and he dies. Emuin fires, but misses. Osmaldi begins another attack. Before he can pull it off, Emuin fires and hits this time. 5 missile damage. 
killing this vicious enemy, we gain a huge 1,000 experience. As Gorilla and Kali remain frozen in place with Zar down, Emon runs over to see what is happening with Osmaldi's killer bears. One bear remains that's engaged in battle with a man with white hair and a staff. The two exchange blows and the white-haired man is visibly wounded, cornered, back against one of the stone structures. Emon assists, fires, bear rushes Emon. With only 8 hit points, Emoin knows that going toe-to-toe -to -toe with this large bear only spells death, and she runs for her life as the bear chases her. This continues for a while as the white-haired man vigorously but fruitlessly attacks the bear trying to distract it. Just then, Khalid breaks free and goes after the bear to save Emoin. Still running around in the mud, Emwen struggles to keep her breath. Hmm? Gorilla breaks free now as well. Emwen gets hit by the large bear, 7 crushing damage, almost killing her as her HP drops to 1. The white-haired man successfully hits the bear for 8 crushing damage with his staff. And Gorilla gets the final blow, 11 crushing damage. The party gains 650 experience and Emoin levels up. Phew. The party now consists of Gorilla, who was hurt, Khalid, and Emoin, who was near death. And we'll wrap it up there. Phew. That last battle. I tried again and again and again. I'm terrible with that sometimes. Oftentimes in games when I die in a hopeless fight, I'll just keep coming back and trying. Sometimes you waste time. But I like to go after the tougher fights sometimes. I really dislike being over-leveled in RPGs. It's something I always watch out for. Uh, sometimes I keep trying. Eventually you get them. So we kept Monteron and Zar. Maybe Monteron getting eaten by wolves will become a daily occurrence. I need to start utilizing Zar's spells more, I think. Any mage scrolls I find, I know someone mentioned this as far as reading the descriptions. I stash them away because... To my understanding, once you teach them, they're gone for good. I don't know how often we are going to find them in the future. Maybe a lot, maybe not, but I'm basically just waiting until we get a mage that we settle upon. We will definitely need a mage. We'll also need a fighter. I don't know about Khalid. We'll see. The idea is just to have Gorilla as the defensive fighter and then get a few fighters or mages to dish out some damage. I find the two new party members interesting. I like Jahira quite a bit. We'll see about Khalid. Still early. Emuin continues to be just a badass. I still haven't figured out how to do the whole backstab, sneak around people thing. Maybe it's a skill that I have not unlocked yet. I'm not too sure. But as an archer and as a thief, I think she's just awesome. I think this game is held up really well. I'm having a great time with it. The cool thing about the older games is, in my opinion, they kind of allow you to have more freedom as to what you think is going on, if that makes any sense. For example, the first game I played was Zork. It was a text adventure, and in your head you had your own idea as to what the world looked like, what the monsters looked like. It's like they had a Gru. A Gru was this beast that <laughs> I was young, and I was, it was just terrifying in my head. And I remember one day, I don't know what it was, a manual or a book, they showed a picture of what the Gru was, and it was just completely different than what I had envisioned it to be. But I remember that, and I, I think I do the same things with games today, especially when they're open world and they give you a little more freedom. I have my own vision of what's going on in my head when I'm going through a playthrough. So I have a little bit of chapter 3 for this, for Baldur's Gate, and 
about part way through Disco Elysium Part 2. This is obviously going to be a long playthrough, but it will be fun to transition from this into Baldur's Gate 2. I'm told Baldur's Gate 2 is actually the better game, but now the trailer for Baldur's Gate 3 is out. That's made by the different devs, the guys who did Divinity Original Sin, so we'll see. I played Divinity Original Sin and I enjoyed it for a while, but I kind of got tired of it for some reason. Oh, and then there was a special request for the Final Fantasy VII Remake Demo. So I'll probably go through that and see what kind of reception it gets. If you guys like it and it gets a little support, then what we can do is just replace the Final Fantasy XII playthrough that only has one episode with the Final Fantasy VII game, which I'll just go and pick up. But it's still early on, just kind of seeing what works. We'll see how it goes. And that's that, so thank you very much for joining me once again. Everything will be fine. I'll see you on the next one.